The Soccer Gambling Podcast is brought to you by Circus Sports. Circus Sports is back with their Circus Survivor and Circa Millions contests. $14 million up for grabs. Get all of the details at circusports.com. That's C-I-R-C-A sports.com. You are listening to your FIFA Women's World Cup Futures Preview here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. You can follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on Twitter as well. They are at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. And finally, you can also follow me on my other Twitter account where I do tweet about all sports, including wrestling. That is at LockBettingCom. That's at LockBettingCom. On this account, every month, the pin tweet will be my monthly PL because I am a transparent and tracked handicapper, unlike many of the others. And through being transparent and tracked, I have managed to deliver 121 months in a row of transparent track profit. So that's over a decade undefeated every single month. Now, on my Twitter account at the moment, you can see the PL for the month of June. The month of May was a big one. That was the 120th. That got me to the decade undefeated for 120 consecutive months. Once the spreadsheets are removed from being the pin tweet, they are all moved over to the website, lockbetting.com. So they are still available to look at. So if you want to do your research, if you want to do your due diligence before you sign up to get my premium picks, then you can do that over at lockbetting.com. So let's move on to covering this World Cup. You guys can brace yourself for five weeks of primarily female punditry, which in turn is going to breed a lot of discussion about equal pay, which is going to become quite nauseating, I imagine, by the second week. But if you can tolerate that, then stick with it because I do believe that we can make some money. We've been very successful with women's soccer over on my service. And also in previous years when we've done podcasts for women's soccer, they've also been successful as well. Last year, we had a very, very strong European championship actually going 100% with our locks. And there will be another lock at the end of the show. The biggest problem I have with this tournament isn't the fact that we are going to get primarily female st- female pundits, uh, a lower standard of football, lots of debate, stupid, pointless debate about equal pay. My standing on it is this. You get paid what you bring in. And the fact that they were struggling to even sell this tournament 
mainly because of the time difference, but the fact that they were struggling to sell this tournament, because that's never been a problem for the men, to a lot of TV companies and really had to lower the price, that kind of tells you where the women's game is at. So they can put it in stadiums, they can tell you how it's massively growing in popularity, but for me, the situation is no different to the NBA and the WNBA. You need to make that money. TV companies have to be interested in seeing it, which means that you have to have the TV ratings to generate the TV revenue. You have to be able to fill up the arenas and stadiums. And until they can do that, there's absolutely no debate for equal pay. We can't just give you the money. That's already the case in tennis. And we experienced this a lot over Wimbledon. I went to a lot of Wimbledon and the the courts that were predominantly female just weren't selling and just didn't have the same amount of footfall. On a day where they put the world number two, Sabalenka, as the main event on court one, and even threw a British pair on there with Cam Norrie, nobody was remotely interested in it. In fact, in the centre court queue, where the first 500 people can get centre court, but they have the choice to choose other courts, either number one court, number two court. We actually had a full 500 out of 500 people on the day that I went choosing to go on centre court and not one person opted for any other court. Of course, uh, on that particular day, I'm talking about day five, we did have Novak Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz both playing on centre court. So perhaps that wasn't the best day to use as an example. But I do think the point is relevant. You you get paid what you bring to the table. And whilst I'm excited to cover this tournament, whilst I'm looking forward to making some money, whilst it's good having something there to get us through to the football season, it isn't quite the same as the men's game. Also, I think the main thing this World Cup will suffer from is the fact it didn't start two weeks earlier. Because by the time we get to the quarterfinal stage, we're going to be at the opening weekend of the EPL. The Community Shield takes place in the first weekend of August. And then by the time we get to the quarterfinal stage, most people are going to shift their focus to the start of the Premier League season. Because of course, there's a lot of anticipation for opening weekend. People are looking forward to seeing how their teams start the season. There's a there's a load of hunger there as well. People looking forward to it coming back, just waiting and waiting and waiting for it. And opening weekend is huge. Now, perhaps women's football can benefit from that. Perhaps they can get a little bit of a bounce from that because it's going to be on at a completely different time. But ultimately, I do think it would have been better if it was a standalone competition and it had concluded by the time the EPL and the European League started. But that's just my opinion. And um, I'm sure other people feel differently about it. Before we move on to actually looking at this tournament, and we're going to begin with the futures market in terms of who may lift this trophy. Let me quickly give another shout out to Circa Sports, Circa Millions and Circa Survivor are back with 14 million in guaranteed prizes up for grabs. Circa Millions means that you have five NFL picks against the spread each week. Circa Survivor means you just have to pick a different Moneyline winner each week. You can enter in Vegas, but you play anywhere. And the Sports Gambling Podcast will be there in the last weekend of August, out in Vegas. So make sure that you try and catch up with the boys if you can get out there. 
Go to circusports.com for all of the details. Once again, that's circa, C-I-R-C-A, sports.com. Um, if I ended up winning this money, I don't think it would really change too much in terms of what I do on a week to week basis. I would still continue to do this podcast. Perhaps the only difference would be that I would make my lock betting picks free. I would no longer have a pay service. I may just get rid of that and start to just give all of my picks out for free. But at the moment, I have not won this contest. Therefore, I will continue to run my service, which, as I mentioned, top of the show, has delivered 121 months in a row of transparent track profit. As for the picks I would make, I've said this on numerous podcasts, but I'll keep hammering the drum. I think we get back on track with the trend of the Super Bowl winner open up at home and starting with a win and covering the spread. That trend was bucked last year when the Rams were given a very difficult game and they lost as underdogs to the Buffalo Bills and then went on to have a horrendous season, horrendous defence of the Super Bowl. But I just don't see that happening with the Chiefs. They're going to be contenders with for many, many years to come with Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball for them in the quarterback position. And as much as I think Detroit will improve this season, I do think they'll start with an L. And I also don't think that they'll cover the six-point spread. So that's my little tip for NFL Week 1. I would be taking um, the Kansas City Chiefs to get that Super Bowl winner opening up the, opening up the season and winning trend back on track. So let's move on to actually looking at the odds here for this Women's World Cup that will begin tomorrow with New Zealand opening up the competition against Norway. That will be followed by Australia taking on the Republic of Ireland. New Zealand are actually significant home underdogs and Australia are strong home favourites to open up with a win. Looking at the market, your guys, this USA women, are the favourites to lift this trophy. They are available at 5-2, to two, plus 250. Next in the market, you have England. They are available here at 9-2. to two. You have Spain at 5-1. to one. You have France at 7-1. to one. The Germans are at 8-1. to one. The host nation, Australia, their women are at 10-1. to one. Then it's a big jump to Sweden, who are at 20 to 1. You have Brazil and Holland, both at 25 to 1. Japan are at 28 to 1. A big price on the Olympic champions, Canada here, at 40 to 1. Norway at 50 to 1. And Denmark women are at 100 to 1. And every other team is bigger than 150 to 1. So. Let's analyse some of these teams. USA, obviously the the favourites to win this competition, but it is worth noting they were also favourites to win at the Olympics and they massively overperformed. If there is any kind of hangover there for the USA, that could allow other teams to swoop in, namely England. Now, England's main issue is that they are missing their captain, Leah Williams, and the top goal scorer from the Euros, Beth Mead. But they are still well-placed here for a run in this competition. They are still the European champions. Last summer, people were actually gripped by women's football fever because they're very much getting behind the team. 
But as I said, I do think this competition will probably suffer as a result of the Premier League starting again. So any new fans that you get, their investment will move over towards their 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 EPL team because obviously supporting your Premier League team is a lot more established. So England are the second favourites. They're not likely to meet the USA until the final as both teams are expected to win their group and that will put them on the other side of the draw from each other. England's 2-0 defeat at Brentford against Australia in April was their first loss in four years and um, they did actually have some key absences in that game as well. Um, They lost to the USA last time out in the last World Cup, but they'll gain confidence from the fact that they actually beat the USA at Wembley in October by two goals to one. Now, if, as I said, if USA have a hangover from the Olympics where they had a very poor tournament, they were beaten in a group match by Sweden. They did not live up to the hype throughout that competition. They ended up losing to Canada in the semi-finals before taking the bronze medal. That is a major, major disappointment for the USA. They'll be looking to bounce back. We have a lot of the same faces here in this USA team. And I wonder if they're going to win it and it's going to be the last hurrah and a send-off for some of these girls or whether it's going to be another major disappointment. I think USA are a little bit short in the market. I think the gap between USA and England is a little bit too big, but I also think England would be slightly shorter if they weren't missing some of the key players. So it'd be interesting to see how they adapt. The third team in the market is Spain, who are available at 5-1 to plus 500. Obviously, the benefit they have is that they have... Barcelona players and Barcelona are the best team in Europe and that includes Alexia Putellas here who does return the back-to-back Ballon d'Or winner will be desperate to have a big tournament here after missing last year's European Championships and most of this past season with an anterior cruciate ligament injury. She returned for the final six games of the season only with Barcelona and she came off the bench in the Champions League final and scored in her first Spain start in a year in the win over Panama in June. So while it is obviously a big plus point to have her back, it's unlikely that she's going to be at 100%. One of the main issues that Spain have coming into this tournament is their preparation for the World Cup has been hampered over the last year by a standoff between 15 players and the Royal Spanish Football Federation. The players made themselves unavailable for selection until certain changes were made to the conditions around training and travel, among other things. There have been compromises from the RFEF and some of the players have returned for the finals, but others have decided not enough has been done. So ultimately, that does leave them without two key players who are two of the best in their positions. We're looking at Barcelona defender Mappy Leon missing this tournament and Patry Guljaro, who will also be missing as well. So they are two key absentees here for Spain. But despite that feud between the players and the RFEF, they still have managed to pick a very competitive squad over the last year, illustrating the depth of talent that the country have. And could they get their shit together? They could be serious, serious contenders to list this trophy. But despite that fact, they've still only lost once in 12 fixtures. And that was against the World Cup hosts Australia. Bear that in mind, 
Australia are out at 10 to 1. They're hosting this competition and they've beaten Spain and they've also beaten England. So that's definitely two big feathers in the cap for Australia. But getting back to Spain, they come into this competition off the back of a memorable win over the United States at the end of last year. The results I'm talking about came without Putellas, who I mentioned was injured, but a lot of other key players were also missing, yet still they had the squad depth to cope and still managed to go on a run, which saw them only lose once in their last 12 fixtures. So this is a very, very strong side. As I said, there are Barcelona faces in the squad, not as many as they would like, obviously, because of this political issue. And ultimately, that's why I'm not picking Spain to win the competition, because I do think that is a hindrance. And certainly that is reflected in the price, because Spain, with all of their personnel fully engaged, fully looking to win this competition with everybody available, would be far, far shorter than the 5-1 to one that's being quoted. I'm going to talk about the other teams as we cover the groups. I already mentioned that Australia look a little bit too big. Another team that look too big is Canada because they do come into this as the reigning Olympic champions. But we'll talk about all of this as we run through the groups. Now, as we run through the groups, you'll see that some of these sides are very, very short, very, very short prices to win their group. So we will be looking at possibly parlaying some of these selections together. I will be putting out my futures plays overnight for this competition for my lock betting clients. I will be covering this competition every single day. But here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast, I will be dropping a podcast for every single round. So after we've completed the first round of fixtures, I'll be looking at the second round of fixtures and then the third round of fixtures and then so forth. We'll be doing round by round. We won't be doing it the same way that we covered the Men's World Cup. We'll be dropping a podcast every two or three days, but we will We'll be covering it a lot more extensively than we've covered women's football before. So before we move on to looking at those groups, let me take a quick time out here to tell you guys about Underdog Fantasy. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Best Ball Mania 4 is here. And Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also a great way to get down on your favorite MLB and NFL season player props. There's so many ways to win on Underdog and Underdog is available in so many states. Head over to UnderdogFantasy.com. Use our promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's UnderdogFantasy.com and your promo code SGPN. So let's move on to looking through these groups. We'll begin with Group A, where the Norwegian women are the 1-3, to three, minus 300 favourites. Switzerland at 4-1, to one, New Zealand at 6-1, to one, and the Philippines all the way down at 250-1. to one. The Norwegian women are 1-20 to 20 to qualify from this group, with Switzerland at 4-6. to six. The New Zealand women at plus money here at 11 to 10 and it's 28 to 1 on the Philippines. So can New Zealand, one of the host nations, get out of this group? The odds tell you no. The odds tell you that Norway will be winning this group and the other team who will be qualifying with them will be the Swiss. 
For New Zealand, I think it's important here. Your main goal is going to be to be competitive. New Zealand have gone to five World Cups and they've never even won a match. Across the 15 group stage games they've played, they've managed to amass three draws and 12 losses. Whilst Norway and Switzerland do pose pose two huge obstacles here for them, I do think the Philippines match will be the one where they do break their duck. I don't know if that will even be an easy game for them either. The last time the two sides met, it was a 2-1 win here for Norway. So I think the fact that Norway are the host nation has certainly been factored into the odds because they should probably be wider. There should probably be a wider gap between New Zealand and the Swiss. Norway are the team that I'm expecting to win this group. They expected to top it. But unless Norway can pick up a head of steam and gain some much needed confidence, a meeting with either Spain or Japan is going to be their path to the final eight. So I think despite winning this group, I think the group winner could lose in the round of 16 because the winner of this group plays the runner-up from the group featuring Spain and Japan, which is likely to be Japan. And I would fancy Japan in a matchup here against the Norwegians. So despite the fact that I do think Norway will go on to win this group, I do see their competition ending at the round of 16 phase. They don't have the form really coming into the competition. They are a far too conservative team, I feel. I feel that they could certainly open things up. They have a lot of attacking talent in attack and midfield, but this team fails to play with a flair that it could play with. Um, despite being coached by a legendary attacker in research, Norway still look a little bit stodgy to me. They play very compact football. This is highlighted by the way that they use uh, Retin and Manham, two key players for Chelsea and Arsenal in the WSL, who are not utilised correctly, in my opinion here, by the Norwegians. But the fact that they have that type of personnel shows you why they are the front runners here to win this group. The runners up, I think here, will be Switzerland because they are drawn in a favourable group. They have more than enough quality here to qualify and navigate their way through these first three games. But again, they're another side, I think, who will get knocked out in the knockout stage when they do come up against either Spain or Japan. Moving on to Group B, this is a group that features the other host nation, Australia. This is a tougher group in terms of determining the winner. Australia are priced up as the four to six favourites to win it, with the Canadian women priced up here at two to one. Of course, I mentioned earlier, they are the Olympic champions. Then you have the Republic of Ireland women at 12 to 1, with the Nigerians at 40 to 1. Qualification odds see Australia and Canada as the clear front runners, with Australia at 1 to 12, Canada at 1 to 4 minus 400. And it's a big gap to the Republic of Ireland at 3 to 1, and Nigeria here at 8 to 1. I think the bookies do have it right. There will be pressure on Australia to live up to expectations, but they do have good results coming into this competition. Ireland and Nigeria are not strong rivals. 
and I fully expect Australia and Canada to brush them aside, setting up that final meeting against each other. And ultimately, the group could come down to goal difference if they draw that game. Canada actually had the head-to-head momentum. They beat Australia twice in September. So that could give them the edge and makes the price on them winning the group look very, very big. They're also dark horses for the tournament here, given the fact that they are Olympic champions and I wouldn't really want to be taking too much of a chance on Australia as odds on favourites to win this group. Ultimately, I do think that they will win the group. I do think that the goal difference will go in Australia's favour. I think they'll come in here off the back of some strong performances in front of their home supporters. I think Canada will do enough to qualify with them. But I think if Australia can avoid defeat in that final game, they should still win the group. And that's it's important to win this group. It's not just a case of qualifying because the run and rough of this group will most likely come up against England, which is a very, very tough task and not an assignment that either of these two teams want. So I am going to lean Australia to win the group. I'm not overwhelmed here by the value. I don't think it's particularly great. But ultimately, I do think Australia will win the group because I do think they have a chance of winning this tournament. And if they do come up against England, there's absolutely no guarantees that England will brush them aside because Australia have already come to England of one. And as I said, they're going to have a big home advantage here in this tournament. What's bizarre about this tournament is the fact that whether Australia or England finish first and second in their group, they are going to still end up on the same side of the draw. So you could bizarrely meet a team who you're in the group with before the final. What happens in the men's game is that you go on completely opposite sides of the draw. That's not the case here. You go on opposite sides of the draw in terms of not being able to meet in the round of 16 in the semi-final, but you, in the quarterfinal, sorry, but you can meet again in the semi-final. So it's an odd setup where Australia or England can meet each other and are very, very likely to meet each other before the final, but they cannot meet in the actual final. They can both meet the USA in the final, but USA cannot meet either of those two sides before the final. So the way it's structured is the winner of Group B and the runner-up of Group B will all be on the same side of the draw. So they'll be separated initially in the bracket but they can end up meeting in the semi-finals. So the one half of the draw will see the first and second from Group B, the first and second from Group D, the first and second from Group F, and the first and second from Group H. Therefore, there is absolutely no chance of USA or England or Australia and USA meeting before the final. It actually eliminates a lot of potential combinations. As I said, it is rather odd because the the men's World Cup is done differently. But this is how the women are doing things. We move on to Group C. We talked about this earlier, about Spain and Japan being in the same group and being a difficult opponent for the winner of Group A, no matter who finishes second and who finishes third. I think both of Spain and Japan can go through to the quarterfinals. Spain are at one to four to win the group, whereas Japan are at three to one. We have Zambia at 40 to one and Costa Rica at 500 to one. They are ultimately the whipping boys here. That's confirmed by the odds to qualify from this group, where Spain are at one to 100 and Japan are at one to 20. 
There is no point digging any deeper here into this group. It's going to be Spain and Japan as the number one and two. And uh, I think Spain will end up winning this group. We've already spoken about Spain when we were doing our initial preview of the outright markets. So we'll move on to Group D where we have England, who we've also spoken about. They are the European champions and they are the overwhelming favourites to win Group D. They are at 1-8 to win the group and at 1-100 to to qualify. It's a big gap then to Denmark at 6-1, to China 28-1 to and Haiti at 250-1. to You have Denmark at 1-3 to to qualify with the China women at 3-1 to and Haiti at 22-1. to So it looks very, very clear cut. The only thing I will say here is about China. They had an absolute nightmare in Tokyo. They lost 5-0 to Brazil and 8-2 to the Netherlands. However, they do have a new coach. They do look a lot stronger. They bounced back from the Olympics and they did win the Asia Cup. They saw off Japan on penalties And uh, they beat South Korea with an injury time goal in the final. They've never failed to get through the group stage in six World Cups. They actually lost the 1999 final. And they could build on a strong performance in India to actually qualify alongside England here. So I don't think this is as cut and dry as the books are making out. And I think there is some strong value here on China. You can pick up at around about 7-2. to which is plus 350 to qualify here from this group. So I definitely think that's worth an outside shout. I do not think Denmark are that much significantly better than the Chinese. And therefore, I do think that is worth an outside bet here from Group D. Moving on to Group E, this is where you have America, fuck yeah, USA at 1-3 to to win this group with the Netherlands at 3-1. to you have the Portugal women here at 18 to 1, with Vietnam here at 500 to 1, USA at 1 to 50 to qualify, with the Netherlands at 1 to 6, Portugal here at 3 to 1. This is a very, very cut and dry group. The USA should come through and win this comfortably. What's most interesting here about groups when you have a short favourite like this is who's going to score the goals? Is there a possibility that someone like Alex Morgan could rack up the goals against Vietnam? Could Sam Kerr of Australia rack up the goals in her group? I think that's what's most interesting to me. Um, in terms of what you do with these types of games. Alex Morgan is, in fact, the front runner to be the top goal scorer at the World Cup again. But I do think that I'll be looking for somebody away from Morgan. I'm not sure that Morgan's had enough minutes to suddenly come to the World Cup and end up with the golden boot once again. But she's still the face of US soccer, along with that other idiot who's mainly a substitute and talking about Megan Rapino, absolutely unbearable and intolerable. But this will be Morgan's fourth World Cup. And I think what's most interesting is, is how the coach has absolute faith in her. She hasn't even picked a backup here to support Morgan. So she's 100% going to be leading the line. She's up top. That's plan A. And she's going to need to step up here because the drop-off to the team's other options aside from her is quite considerable. So I do think it's a big, big World Cup here for Alex Morgan. And she's a player who will most likely be 
carrying the hopes of the nation on her back. I think winning three World Cups in a row is quite unheard of. And USA are missing a couple of important players coming into this tournament. But in Smith, she has stepped up in a big way and she could end up being one of the stars of the tournament. You also have World Cup first-timers in Lynn Williams and Trinity Rodman. They're now in contention for a start here because of injury. But the Alex Morgan situation is most interesting to me because there are no direct backups. And as long as Morgan plays, she's going to be in a position to carry the team here on her back. USA's strength is the strength in depth. And sometimes the team that is the deepest, not necessarily the best, does go on to win the World Cup. And when you combine that talent depth and you combine that experience and you combine that never say die attitude, you cannot write off USA from being the three-time champions. I do think things don't really get too difficult for them initially until they reach that potential semi-final against Spain. And obviously that's a huge benefit when you're coming through a relatively easy group. Then you have yourself a relatively easy match in the round of 16 where you're only playing the runner-up here from Group G, providing that they do win the group, then they're likely to come up against Italy And I do believe USA will have far too much for Italy and they'll have far too much for their quarterfinal opponents. So I think you can already pencil USA in as a semi-finalist for this World Cup. And the odds for USA to reach the semi-final does reflect that. USA are currently priced up at 8-13. to They are the shortest favourites to reach the World Cup semi-finals. And behind them is Spain at 10-11. to So it does very much look like that is the weaker side of the draw. And it does look like we are set up for a Spain versus USA World Cup semi-final. And for me, that is far more of a coin toss than you think, because with Alex Morgan leading the line and USA being so reliant on her having a big tournament, with players missing, Spain have players missing as well, but they do have that chemistry from the names that they have at Barcelona. They both have a load of squad depth. For me, that is a real toss-up, and that's why it's difficult for me to back USA at 5-2 to two, when you have Spain here at 5-1. to one. And you have the two on a collision course for the World Cup semi-final. It's really difficult for me to make a play here based on that situation alone. Moving on to Group F, you have France as the favourites at one to two, but Brazil are next in six to four. At next at six to four, then you have Jamaica at hundred to one and Panama at five hundred to one. With Brazil at one to one hundred to qualify, and no odds even available for France to qualify. So this looks like a very very clear cut group where Brazil and France are going to qualify from the group. I would go with the odds and lean France, but that certainly isn't a strong lean. And I'm certainly not discounting Brazil here from not only winning the group, but also being a dangerous opponent in the knockout stage as well. The objective set by the president of the French Federation is the final four. France reached the semi-finals at the Euros in England last summer. And anything less than that, I think, would be a disappointing result. It's a very open tournament and the manager here is convinced that his team can go all the way. 
However, the first step here will be to win the group. And in order to win the group, they will have to finish above Brazil and Marta. Now, Marta obviously doesn't possess the power that she once did, but she's still going to be the face of Brazil. And she's playing in a sixth World Cup here at 37 years old. The Orlando Pride forward is Brazil's all-time top goal scorer with 117 goals. And she returned from a cruciate ligament injury in February and will be supported in attack by Barcelona's Gacy and Kansas City's current Dabina, among others. So this is a team who will carry a strong goal-scoring threat. I think winning the tournament is likely to be a step too far for a Brazil team who are transitioning at the moment, but they are going to be a dangerous side in this competition. A penalty shootout defeat to European champions in England in the Funissima and a 2-1 win over Germany in April will give them belief here. They are certainly South America's best hope of winning this competition and they showed that at last summer's Copa America by winning all six games, scoring 20 goals and conceding none en route to comfortably winning that trophy. So this is a team who you don't want to come up against. This is a group which is going to be comfortably led by France and Brazil. I'm not really comfortable picking a winner, but you're not going to want to come up against the winner or the runner-up from Group F. And once again, this is on the other side of the draw. This is on the England-Australia side of the draw. So whilst USA and Spain really have only each other to worry about, France and Brazil will both be going over to the other side. So if England or Australia or France or even Brazil want to navigate their way to a World Cup final, they're going to have a much tougher task than the likes of the USA and Spain. So moving on to Group G. Group G is led by the Swedes the ever-consistent Swedes. They are the favourites to win the group at 1-3. to three. The Italian women are at 7-2 to two, with Argentina at 18-1 to one, and South Africa at 33-1 to one, with Sweden at 1-20 to 20 to qualify and Italy here at 1-3. to three. This is Sweden's group to lose and I think Sweden will come through the group relatively comfortably. They too will be aiming for a semi-final spot. They had a storming run at the Olympics in Japan two summers ago, which included a win over the USA. They followed it up with a very disappointing campaign, though, at Euro 2022. And it's going it's to be hard to get a sense of what Sweden are going to do here other than probably qualify and, and probably win this group. Should Sweden be at their best, there's no reason why they shouldn't just power through the group stage and be able to comfortably get through to a quarterfinal. If the goals, though, depart the team, and they aren't able to put the back of the net, you could see the wheels fall off. So although there is no easy route to the final, the last four and a medal once again will be the target here for the Swedes. The Italians are the main contenders here to stop them winning the group. But there, there is a chance that they may not even get out of their group here. There's no guarantee that they do get past the Argentinians. So for me, I think if Italy do get past the group 
and I think the odds to Argentina here are quite disrespectful, then that would represent the the minimum expectation here for the Italians. But I do think the gap between Italy and Argentina is too big. Argentina have qualified for three World Cups, but in their nine matches, they've never won a single game. So that will be their first target. And I think they will be able to win a game this year. From there, it'll all be down to the game here between Italy and Argentina. Both of the two teams will beat South Africa. I do lean towards Italy winning it. But Argentina are going to be difficult here. They have not lost a match this year with four wins and a draw coming into this one. And they have outscored their opponents by a 11-1 difference. So that's not a team that you want to be looking past. And that's not a team who should be this wide to qualify from the group here when they only need to finish above the Italians and South Africa. So another dark horse pick here from that group. And the final group we look at here is Group H, where the Germans are 1-10 to to win it ahead of Colombia 12-1, to South Korea 12-1 to and uh, Morocco 50-1. to Germany at 1-66 to to qualify, but South Korea and Colombia cannot be divided. Uh, with Morocco at nine to one. So if you can find a way to divide Colombia and South Korea, that could be a way to make some money here from this group. South Korea, for me, have come a long way from their 2019 outing that resulted in an, e- an early exit after three losses. They have improved. And although the proposition is a different one this year, South Korea remain at their best when playing in the comfort of the Asian Cup. And they seem to struggle when they play against teams here in other continents. But in order to get out of this group, they are going to need to do that. And they are going to need to get the win here against Colombia. Colombia missed out on the last World Cup, but they impressed in 2015, drawing with Mexico, beating France and only narrowly losing to England and the USA. And I think that will be the type of World Cup they're looking for here. I think they'll be able to be the team that qualifies here. So if you're looking for some value, it's going to be um, your ability to pick between South Korea and Colombia. And with both being made available at 10 to 11 minus 110, I do lean the Colombians to find a way out of this group, mainly due to the fact that South Korea do struggle against teams from other continents and will probably struggle playing in a completely different continent here. So I lean the Colombians to qualify here with the Germans comfortably winning this group. We haven't really spoken too much about the Germans. They are one of the the favourites here to win the competition. For me, They are definitely being overlooked by many people, maybe even by us, because we're not talking about them here up until this point. They come into this as the world's number two team. And it's not just the pedigree or the history of the team, but they were right there last summer and they were battling injuries and COVID dropouts. And other than their form heading into this World Cup and the loss of two fullbacks to ACL tears, There's no reason they can't dig back into that form from the Euros and make a run here and win this competition. The route to the final isn't easy. They will need to most likely navigate a quarterfinal against Spain. 
and that will ultimately set up a semi-final against the USA. But I definitely would not discount Germany. They have all the tools. They have the players. They have the experience. We've probably overlooked them here. And when you're looking at a group that's this easy to qualify from, where you already know the Germans are going to win it and win it comfortably, this brings us back round to our golden boot and golden boot winners. And the shortest priced German in the market is Alexandra Pop. And Alexandra Pop is going to have plenty of chances to score plenty of goals here in the group. So seeing her here priced up at 16 to 1 really is a massive price. When you look at Alex Morgan at 5 to 1 and um, Sophia Smith 7 to 1, two USA women at the top of the at the top of the charts, Rachel Daly of England at 8 to 1, Sam Kurt 9 to 1. I think with the USA you're almost guaranteed that they're going to be playing in a semi-final. So for that reason alone they are they are the ones who have the two favourites at the top of the market because they are able to score goals for a longer period. But when you look at the opponents that Germany have, I do think there is some significant value on both Alexandra Pop and on Leah Schurler, who's available at 20 to 1 to actually win the golden boot here. So that could be something that's worth sprinkling on if you like to bet on the the top goal scorer or if you're doing a a fantasy team for this, for example. So closing out with your lock on the show, I'm going to give you two locks because one we've alluded to quite a lot and I think it's quite clear how I feel that this tournament's going to play out for the USA. I do think they're going to be sitting there in the semi-final. I see absolutely no way and no reason why the USA won't get through to the semi-final. So despite the fact that it is a short price, I am going to jump on the 8-13 to for the USA to reach the semi-final. That's going to be my first lock. My second lock isn't really that much more adventurous because what I'm going to give you is a three-team parlay, three teams that I do feel are going to win their group, and they're all at relatively chalky prices, but if you do put them together, you do end up with a return of £188, so an £88 profit or an $88 profit from this treble. So I'm going to go with the USA again, Cannot see them, cannot see past them winning the group, despite the fact that we do have the Netherlands in this group. They are the biggest price. They are at one to three. I'm then going to go for Spain at one to four. And for my final selection, I will add England at the price of one to eight minus 800. So that does come to 188 pounds. If you're feeling adventurous, feel free to add the Germans to that. Because if you add Germany to that and make it a fourfold parlay, that does get you past even money plus 100. You then secure £207 instead of £188. So you can add yourself an additional $19 to the parlay by adding on the Germans. It's a pretty safe thing to do because I do think all four of these teams will comfortably win their groups. And it would not surprise me at all to see three 
of these four teams in the semi-final. Of course, when you're looking at Spain and Germany, they are on a collision course, most likely if they win their group. So both of them cannot get through to the semi-final. But I do think it's going to be USA versus either Spain or Germany. And on the other side, I do think we'll end up with England and Australia later on in the competition rather than the two teams meeting earlier on, which could happen if Australia end up finishing runners up of their group, which is why we have strayed away from Australia. I do think Canada are going to be a little bit more competitive than the books think. And um, I've steered away from that. I've steered away from what will be an early, very important game in the group stage. Because once Canada and Australia breeze past their opponents, I think the winner of that is going to determine the group. And the runner up with that will go on to face the unenvious task of facing England in the round of 16. And even for England... That's a difficult game to look ahead to. It's not ideal for England, but at least en route to that, I do think they'll get through the group with a 100% record. I actually think all of our picks in that treble, and even the Germans, if you are going to go down a fourfold route, I think all of them will end up with a 100% record in qualification which again does make the golden boot winner very, very interesting. Which woman is going to rack up the most goals playing against these minnows? And and maybe one of the managers even decides to rotate their star players for those games. You never know because it is a long tournament and um, the team with the best squad will have the best chance of winning. So that concludes your Women's World Cup preview. As I said... I will be back throughout this competition. We will be doing a podcast round by round. So I'll be back after the first round of games. Until then, good luck with all of your bets as always. And thanks for listening.